a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, America's opening up its arms to thousands of Ukrainian refugees by granting those that are here that temporary pre- uh, protective status. How long will that let them stay? And what about the thousands of Afghan refugees? We've been talking about those. Are the children who've crossed our southern border? Is there something being done for them as well? And to help us uh, break all of that down, really pleased to have joining us back on the program, Caroline Simon, who is a reporter for Roll Call, who uh, is really tapped in uh, to all of these so uh, tell us about the announcement today, Caroline, and uh, what it actually means. Absolutely. Great to be back with you. Um, so today, the Department of Homeland Security announced that it would grant temporary protected status to Afghans who fled Afghanistan. Um, this step means that they'll be allowed to stay in the U.S. for 18 months without being deported, and they'll be allowed to work legally. Um, this is an important step because as we talk to residency in the United States, um, and this is kind of VHS saying that, you know, we support these people. We believe they should be here. Um, although it's important to remember that this is only 18 months. So we're still hearing quite a few lawmakers and immigrant advocates advocating for some sort of permanent legislation that would allow these folks to stay here permanently. Yeah, and, I, and I'm glad you raised that because I, I think it's interesting. Obviously, out of these uh, 75,000 Afghans that have been resettled, uh, you've got, uh, I think, according to your report, was 36,000 uh, don't have that pathway that you men- mentioned to some sort of permanent mm-hmm. residency. Uh, and 18 months, uh, people might say, well, that, yeah, that's, that's plenty of time. Uh, but when it comes to some of these processing things, 18 months uh, comes and goes really fast. But the uncertainty in the in the process, uh, I think, is what I what we really need to get out of the way so that these people can really focus on whether it's getting that education or working in that job or figuring out and planning for that future. Definitely. Um, And in 18 months, if there still hasn't been a legislative solution reached, um, the Biden administration could always renew that temporary protected status designation. You know, they've done that for a number of other countries that are facing conflict. Um, And so we'll, we'll, we'll see if that happens in 18 months. Yes, uh, and I hope they uh, legislatively they get that done sooner, uh, because I, I both sides of the aisle have been so guilty of this of using this as some sort of leverage point to throw into some other must pass piece of legislation, uh, and then suddenly we're we're using these refugees as political pawns, uh, and that is just so offensive to me. It's we're, we're welcoming them; there are reasons they are here, uh, and there has to be a better way. So, what what is today's announcement? Uh, is there any impact on those? Uh, coming from Ukraine or some of those uh, young children who have come from the southern border? So there was actually a different announcement a couple of weeks ago granting temporary protected status to people from Ukraine. Um, This applies to around 75,000 Ukrainians who are here in the U.S. on temporary visas 
That could be a student visa, a tourist visa, a business-related visa, people who don't have a permanent pathway here but obviously don't want to return to Ukraine right now. Um, so that applies to a pretty narrow window of, of people. Um, but the State Department is also examining additional ways to try to help Ukrainians who, who are, are fleeing that, that war-torn country. Um, they're looking at prioritizing visa applications from Ukrainians who have family here. Um, Congress has appropriated quite a bit of money to help humanitarian efforts overseas. Most of the Ukrainian refugees are aiming to stay in Europe where there are large diaspora communities and where they think they'll be able to return home after the conflict. Yeah, um, meant- but there is quite an appetite to, to do something for the Ukrainian refugees. Yeah, you mentioned the, the number uh, was uh, almost twice as high as a lot of the advocates had, had predicted. And is this also going to be one uh, kind of an 18 months at a time? Or uh, are they looking at some, some longer windows uh, for them to process? This is also 18 months, but it could definitely get renewed again if in 18 months there's still a need for um, Ukrainians to avoid returning to Ukraine. Okay, and then finally, let's go to uh, some of those juvenile immigrant uh, programs, uh, those coming up from the southern border. Uh, What do we know there? What have we learned in the last few days? Yeah, so um, DHS a couple of weeks ago announced a memo um, that shores up a pretty specific program that helps um, immigrant children who cross the border illegally but have been abandoned or abused or neglected. They get protection under what's called special immigrant juvenile status. Um, So this memo kind of addresses the fact that a lot of these folks have this protection. Um, They're eligible for green cards through this program, but because of severe backlogs in the system, they might age out and not have protection and be at risk of being deported. Um, So what this memo does is it basically allows them to to apply for deferred status, which is also a similar provision that we've seen in the DACA program, for example, um, allowing them to work legally and avoid deportation while they're waiting for their permanent protection. Uh, I'm so glad you raised that aging out component because it's one that we often don't think about. And whether it's these young kids or you mentioned the the DACA recipients, uh, so often, again, because this process is so slow, uh, sometimes they become of age and then suddenly they're kicked out of one system and into another. And uh, that can just totally upend any kind of path towards a, a future with some certainty. Exactly. There was actually a Senate hearing yesterday on this topic um, where lawmakers were examining backlogs in the legal immigration system. And one thing they looked at was exactly what you mentioned. Um, There's a whole class of what lawmakers call documented dreamers, which are immigrant children who have grown up in the U.S. It's the only country they've ever known. But because they had dependent status on their parents' visas, um, if they age out of that protection, they're at risk of being deported back to a country they've never even lived in. Um, there are about 200,000 of these folks living in the U.S., and lawmakers are eager to find some sort of solution. Um, there was actually a bill introduced last year by Senator Alex Padilla and Senator Rand Paul, who are two people you don't often find collaborating on immigration. Um, so I would say there definitely is bipartisan appetite um, to find a solution there. That's great. We love those. We love those around here. And I, I think Senator Paul and Senator Padilla could get together on that one. And it seems like we should be able to get that one through because, again, sending sending a, a child who is now 18 years of age back to a country they've never lived in and probably a language they've never spoken, uh, to me, is just so beyond comprehension. And the fact that we would leave the uncertainty of that possibility without a legislative fix is uh, one of those things I think is just inexcusable. Uh, Caroline, one one thing I just wanted to ask you before I let you go today, slightly uh, shift of topic, uh, but in terms of refugees in general, 
Uh, we're obviously watching, you know, what's happening in Poland uh, with nearly two million of the refugees that have fled Ukraine there. Uh, another million. Uh, we, we've been talking about it in terms of it's like having the whole state of Utah every human soul evacuate in 21 days and what are you seeing around the world from a global perspective in terms of how other nations are dealing with just this incredible uh rush of of refugees and and people coming into their borders absolutely i think there's just been a huge outpouring of support in some of these near european countries like you said poland has taken in just an incredible amount of refugees um given their population um I think for this to continue long term, the U.S. will need to provide funding, which we've done. Um, we provided about $1.4 billion in funding for the State Department Refugee and Migration Program in the government spending bill last week. Um, so I think that if this is going to continue um, and more refugees will flee, um, there will need to be kind of a global um, attitude of support for some of these countries that are getting um, hit the hardest with refugees coming in. Um, but I do think the appetite is definitely there, and it's been absolutely inspiring to see how many um People, just, you know, regular people living in these countries have opened their arms to Ukrainians who are fleeing war. Yeah, it really has been inspiring. And, and so many just literally going to the train stations and saying, you can come with us. We, we got a bed. We got a place. And uh, that is civil society uh, at its finest and filling in the gaps where, uh, as you mentioned, Caroline, where government just can't keep up with with all of those things. Caroline Simon, again, reporter for Roll Call. Uh, great insight as always. And appreciate your perspective today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, so many important conversations to have there as it relates to, to refugees, uh, whether that's Ukraine, Afghanistan, kids from the southern border. And how do we create a path? And it's not politics. It's good policy. And we got to get to that. Stay with us. Much more to come in hour number two of Inside Sources coming up on KSL News Radio. Services. Listen at home or anywhere you go. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. This is Utah's news station. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.